I, I am completing today a series of lessons in this month of stewardship. A series of lessons entitled Living in the Blessed Zone. This has been Stewardship Month here at South Metro Ministries by way of bringing the Word. And so I complete this series today with this powerful revelation and reality about God's faithfulness and provision. We're in chapter nine, chapter 22, pardon me, of Genesis, verse number 14. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. As it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I want you to hold the other passage that would be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want everybody else to be seated except for Charles, Stanley, and Linda. Everybody else be seated, please. Charles and Linda, just remain standing. You play softly there. I don't know which way I'm going here. But a month ago on a Monday morning, Charles got up to go to work. Charles had already gone outside and cranked up the truck. But in the movement of getting ready in the morning, something hit him that never hit him before in his life. It was a stroke. It was a stroke that so impaired Charles that 911 had to be called by Linda. It affected the side of his brain that impaired his arms, his legs, and he totally lost his speech. Couldn't eat for a while. Had to be fed through a tube. <laughs> and we rallied together, but he rallied the most. In intensive care, Southern Regional Hospital, hooked up to stuff, couldn't even talk. But you could see the tears and you could feel the, the tremor in his body. Linda with him around the clock. I want to tell you, if you wonder why Pastor Chad gets carried away a little bit in praise and worship, and we get a little prolonged in thanking God, it's because the man can now raise his hand and lift the other hand a little bit more. He ain't, he ain't finished yet. He has a walker, but he can walk on his own. He can talk and he can eat now. He ain't finished yet. God's going to finish up what he's done. But he is here today to say, my God is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. So we're going to thank God for Charles and Linda. We're going to help them praise God. Because God is moving and he is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen to his name. And you may be seated. First thing I heard Charles say when I walked into the intensive care unit that he couldn't say very plainly, but what he could say was, What glory? That's all he could say. I called yesterday. I said, Linda, how's Charles doing? She said, Pastor, I can't keep him down. Well, where is he? He's in the yard working. God's not finished yet, Charles. You're going to get the complete use of that hand and leg. And you're going to get some more testimony. Jehovah Jireh. Thank you, Pastor Chad. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Now, in Genesis 22, you acquainted, if you know anything about Old Testament Scripture, and you've been around the Word for a while, you know that here is a well-known story, perhaps one of the most well-known in the Old Testament, because it asks so much from a person. Abraham is asked by God to take his only son, Isaac, and go up on a mountain and kill him as a sacrifice. 
That's asking a lot, wouldn't you say? I mean, uh, wow. I couldn't imagine God asking me to do that with one of my children. And now that Valerie and I are grandparents and we have two-year-old Lakeland, we are concerned whether or not his mother and dad can raise him well without us. (laughs) Much less ask for him to be sacrificed. There were two issues burning in Abraham's heart the day that he started obediently towards the mountain that God told him on which he should sacrifice his son. Two issues. The first burning issue is the heart was what any father or mother would feel. An intense love for his son and a grieving over the possibility of losing him. The second burning issue on Abraham's mind and heart the day he started out with his helpers to the mountain on which he was supposed to sacrifice his son was a theological issue. God had promised to give Abraham as many descendants as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore through his son Isaac. If Isaac is killed, how will God's promise to Abraham be fulfilled? It's not until we get to the New Testament in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews that we learn how Abraham reconciled these issues in his heart. Abraham, Hebrews 11 tells us, Figured that by faith, that if God took Isaac, he would then raise him up from the dead and return him to Abraham as a son and as an heir of the promise. Now that's a lot of faith there. If I take my son and kill him like God asked me, I'm going to do this in faith because I've had such a journey with Jehovah Jireh. Somebody help me here. I have gotten this far. I was a hundred years old when this boy came. My wife was 90. And how many of you know that's not natural? And all you ladies are to thank God that it ain't. (laughs) If Jehovah Jireh has brought me this far, he could even raise the dead. So in Genesis 22, the Bible says that Abraham took his son, bound him to the altar on the mountain that we know as Mount Moriah. And, and after binding his son, he took his knife or his, his, his spear to run it through his chest to offer him unto the Lord. But then an angel of the Lord spoke out loud to Abraham and said, stop. In verse 12 of Genesis 22, it says, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You and I both know that God wasn't after Isaac. God was after Abraham. Can I get an amen? God was after Abraham's heart and Abraham's affection. When Isaac came along, Abraham got so fond of him and so in love with him and so involved with bestowing things on him for his posterity until the issue of his heart's affection was divided and God wanted to test him to see if I'm still first in your life. The Bible said Abraham saw a ram that was caught in the thicket. And by seeing the ram caught in the thicket not too far from the altar on which he had bound his son, Abraham knew that God had provided a sacrifice so that Isaac might live. Abraham unbound his son off the altar, gave God thanks, went and rescued the ram out of the thicket, put it on the altar, and offered it to God as the sacrifice. And before he left that place on Mount Moriah, he named it Jehovah Jireh. The Hebrew Jehovah Jireh means in the English, the Lord will provide. Can I get an amen, somebody? 
Now, I'm telling you that God's covenant relationship with His people, not only His people Israel, but down through the ages, you and I, His covenant relationship began with Abraham, which means that long, long ago, before you and I ever came on the scene, God committed Himself to being a provider. Anyone who has walked with God for any length of time knows that God does provide. Somebody say amen. I want to tell you this morning, and I'm going to deviate a little bit. If 27 years of pastoring the same church in the same, in the same uh, community has taught me anything... It has taught me that I can trust God to be our provider. Well, somebody say amen. I want to tell you, God doesn't have to prove another day in my pastoral ministry or me being a father or a husband or a grandfather. God doesn't have to do another thing in my 55 years of living in this world to prove to me that He is my Jehovah Jireh. I can trust God unequivocally. If you can, would you give Him some praise? I want to tell you, in these 27 years, God has helped us when there were few people in the church. When we came the first Sunday, there were 39 people. And after they heard me preach, their attendance decreased. (laughs) Hallelujah. But but you know what now? This church, and I say it to the glory of God. This church is the largest it's ever been in 37 years. We have over 1,260 members, and, and last month we averaged over 1,200 thereabout attenders. I, I'm telling you, if God's ever proven anything to a preacher, He's proven it to me. He has proven that we are, we have, He has proven Himself when we had a little bit of money and when we had more money. When we owed a few dollars and when we owed larger dollars, God has proved we have broken tithe records after tithe records. We have paid our bills. We've never had our lights threatened to be cut off. We've never had the bank going to foreclose on us. We've never been late on anything that we know of because I'm telling you right here today and I, I and knows and our committee, our, our stewardship committee knows, our finance committee knows that I try to stay on top of everything and I pray every dollar in. I pray it every week week. And I want to tell you, if you're sitting on chairs paid for, and they are, if you're sitting in an air-conditioned building, and it is, if you're sitting in a clean house, and it is, if the yard's been cut this week, and it was, and if we paid our bills, it's because Jehovah Jireh has made Himself known. And what He has done for the church, He will do for the believers in the church. He has been my Jehovah Jireh. We have come through some rough places. And I I told somebody this morning, thank God for the ability to forget. God has given me the ability to forget some of the attacks of Satan in the church and in my life. God has given me the ability. You don't pastor 27 years in one place and make everybody happy. Help me hear somebody. I have run off more folks than I can count on my fingers and toes. But thank God He's given me more folks back and another chance, and I got fingers and toes. I don't always get it right. I know that. I've learned that I have messed up. I have missed it. I have had to apologize. I've asked to ask God to forgive me. But thank God for people who are willing to give each other another chance and lock arms together and say, When you fall, I'll pick you up. When I fall, you pick me up. But together, He is our 
Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Somebody give him some thanks. Oh, what, what a mighty God he is. Now, I know, if I know anything about God, I know his being Jehovah Jireh to us is linked directly to our obedience to him. You see, we cannot expect God to be our Jehovah Jireh, heal our bodies, bless our marriages, pay our bills, deliver those we love from drugs and alcohol and sexual promiscuity. We can't expect God to be our protector and our shield and our reward without walking in relationship with Him. No more than you go down to an altar with the love of your life and make a marital covenant and then expect them to stay out any night they want to with whomever they want to as many times as they want to and call it marriage. Oh, I feel a whoop glory coming on. No more than your spouse wants you to adulterate or fornicate or cheat on them in the relationship and expect you, expect to come back and get all the benefits of the relationship. No more does God bless spiritual disobedience. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. So, so I'm saying to you, this business. Of, now, now we go to Second Corinthians, please. Chapter number 9. Of God being our Jehovah Jireh for the rest of our life until, until heaven is linked to our obedience. And chapter 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 9, pardon me, second book, chapter 9 verse 8. Put that up if you will again. It says this. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. But I would be doing the word a disfavor and injustice and you an injustice if I didn't properly interpret the scripture by telling you that this verse is directly linked to the previous verses, 6 and 7 in particular, and the following verses. Put them on the screen for me if you will. Look at verse 6 if you have your text and your Bible open. Look with me. Paul says, but this I say. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8 again. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply... The seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Let, let me show you some, some key thoughts from this Jehovah Jireh theme and this passage. Thought number one, please. I, I want you to see that this Jehovah, move it to the next slide. Back it up just to the main, the, the first 
bullet. The power of this promise is based on the Word of God. Verse 8, everybody say amen. amen. The verse 8 begins with, God is able. Wow. You see, I've been practicing this sermon for a while. So if I get happier sooner than thee, allow us me, please. Let me say it again. God is able. I learned a little song as a boy in the Caribbean. And I preached long enough and sing long enough to know that God did not call me to sing. But the little song says, he's able, he's able. I know my God is able. I know my God is able to see me through. He healed the brokenhearted. He set the captive free. He made the lame to walk and caused the blind to see. He's able, he's able. I know my God is able. I know my God is able to see me through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It got a little Caribbean stuff to it. He healed the brokenhearted, he set the captive free, he made the lame to walk and caused the blind to see. Yeah, yeah. Now let me tell you something. Before this month is over, I'm going to join the March, Mar- March Madness crowd. Yeah. You know, if you know anything about basketball, this is March Madness. <laughs> oh, God help me. And I ain't getting mad over basketball. I'm getting mad and glad over Jehovah Jireh who is able. I've walked with him now. I ain't living off my mom and dad's testimony. Thank God for it. But I got one of my own now. My father-in-law's got a testimony. He's a preacher. My mother-in-law's got a testimony. She is a, as a servant of God. I got people all around me got testimonies, but I got some of my own. He has been to Alan Matura, Jehovah Jireh. He is able. Ask Job. Ain't none of us, pardon the grammar, been where Job's been, but we like to call him our cousin. After coming through the loss of his land, the destruction of his crops, the death of ten kids. After coming through tornadoes that destroyed his stuff. After coming through a personal attack of hell on his body, where his body was so diseased, he smelled so bad and suffered so much. His wife said, why don't you go ahead and curse God and die? After coming through his friends who are supposed to be loyal to him... Telling him, you must have done something mighty wrong for God this to do this to you. After coming through all that and trusting God to be his Jehovah Jireh, Job said in 42 and 2, I know, God, that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Did I hear it? Amen. Amen. Matthew 19 and 26, with God all things are possible. Did you hear me? Timothy 1.12, 2 Timothy, I am persuaded that he is able. Hebrews 2.18, he is able to aid those who are tempted. In Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, he is able to save to the uttermost, and I might add, to the guttermost. I hadn't moved some of you in 27 years. I don't expect that I will today, but I'll keep going. (laughs) 
help me, Lord, to be nice. Now, the greatest thing that God is able to do for anybody is set forth in the book of Jude, verse 24. Jude says in verse 24, Now unto him, meaning unto the Lord Jesus Christ, to God, now unto him who is able, everybody say he's able. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude is saying that God is able to get us all the way through life and into heaven and stand before God faultless. Say an amen. If God is able to get us through this life and the devil's attack and demonic attacks and the attack of others who don't have the mind of God, if God is able to wash us in His blood and cleanse us from our sins, write our name in His book, and when we stand before God and the devil tries to accuse us and Jesus says we're faultless, and if God is able to enter us into eternal life where we receive a crown of righteousness, and we reign forever with God. Isn't God able to take care of all of our needs every day of our lives when we obey Him in our giving? If God can do all of that, can't we trust Him that when we tithe and give and obey Him, He can pay those bills? Let me show you not only the power of the promise, let me show you the potential of this promise. The Word of God says... The object of God's ability to us, to help us, is the bestowal of His grace in our lives. And here in Paul's writing in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, money is referred to as grace. Therefore, Paul says that if we give sparingly, we shall reap sparingly. If we give abundantly, and I'm paraphrasing, we shall reap abundantly. And he goes on to say that we shouldn't give grudgingly, but we should give cheerfully. Because I want to say this about the grace of God. When God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins on Calvary 2,000 years ago, God did that because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The motivation of God's gift of salvation to all of us was the love of God and the grace of God. God did not give His Son to us out of law or legality. I didn't hear an amen. Jesus did not die on the cross for us because He had to. He laid down His life voluntarily. And in that same posture of love, gratitude, and grace, we are encouraged to give to the Lord. Let me give you a thought here. Law is only required when heart is absent. I'll clarify in a moment. Get this thought. Law is only required when heart is absent. 
in America every week. Fathers are brought before judges. And they are brought there to make sure that they are paying child support like they should. These fathers who fathered children here, there, and yon, and ran off. Oh, I'm trying to be nice here. That's why we have a, I told you, that's why we have a police car right up there where I, in my office. Society has called them, which is a proper title, dead be dad. Dads. They, they, they farted the children and left to go pursue their... Check yourself, Alan. Yes, Holy Spirit. Their urges. And so the law requires them. I will throw you in jail until you make this right. And I will help you make it right by you, by garnering your wages before it even touches your hand. Because this is the law. The law is required when the heart of the father is absent. It should be the heart of the father to support their child and children. It should be the first thing before he makes sure he has groceries, before he makes sure he has a roof over his head and clothes. It should be the heart of the father that their children have first and are best. But when the heart of the father is absent, the law is required. And God says, I can make you, but that is not Jehovah Jireh. I'm Jehovah Jireh to you when you love me. Because you love me. Can I get an, can I get an amen? Well, I, I, I want you to not give. Do not give grudgingly or sparingly or out of compulsion. I know when I preach on giving that it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And I know, I, I know it's a sensitive subject. But do you know that the issue of money and giving is pervasive all through the Bible? It's everywhere. Do you know that there are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures on giving? Do you know that any preacher or teacher that omits teaching on giving will omit a large part of the Bible and deny the body of Christ the provisions of God that come from obedience to those verses? I know it can be, I, I, have this, I have had some of the same challenges that you have about giving. Growing up and giving. Having a family. After being married. Having children. Having purchased a house. Having needed a car. Having paid utilities. Having to pay insurance. Having to pay for college kids. And having to pay for two weddings. And all these other things. I have, I have always, when the Holy Spirit prompted me to give a little bit more than the tithe. To give to missions. To give to an orphanage. To give to widows. To give to help build a church. To give to love in action. I've had the same kind of a fleshly conflict that many of you have right now today. If I give this amount, I fear I will not have enough for myself. There are times as the shepherd of this church, the Holy Spirit has challenged me as your shepherd to take some of the funds that we have and sow it. And we do that every week. 
We sow in locally and we sow around the world. We sow here and we say, sow into a Bible school. Sow into a missionary. Sow into an orphanage. You, you, this church must sow into, into other places. You must sow into the community. You must sow. And, and there are times when I told the Lord, but the, but the mortgage payment for the church is coming. The utilities are coming. The van might need repair. Oh God, we got some other things. And, and the devil will say, if, if you pastor, if you release these funds, you're going to have to beg for money every Sunday. One thing I told the Lord, and those of you that run track with me in the sense of running the track of being here for a while with me, I told the Lord, I would always tell the church the need. I would always tell them what I need is, but I'll never beg for money. I've never come here and told you that God wants you to give you $273 because two is the number of unity and seven is the number of completion and three is the number of the Trinity. You, you need to know with me, I've never come here and told you that if you take a piece of my coat that I sweat in when I preach under the anointing and I cut it up and make it a blessed Lord for you that God will bless you. I have never took the word, taken the word of God and come up with some kind of cockamamie gimmick to try to get you money. But I'm here to tell you, God has been Jehovah Jireh and because we gave out of our heart, out of love, and not because of law, God has met our needs. Yeah, I'm preaching. Yeah. Somebody says, Pastor, if I give grudgingly, will you take it? Yes, I will. God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it for my grouch. Yeah. You miss your blessing when you fail to understand that God says it's linked towards obedience. You can't expect Jehovah Jireh to show up. I heard of a place of a, a town out yonder in the northern part of the country some time ago. The fire station didn't go to a man's house and it caught on fire because he didn't pay his taxes for fire care. I'm not here to argue that politically, but I'm here to... <laughs> you know. ah. I have a hard time paying somebody else's way for stuff that they equally owe and can't afford. But that's for another season. Mm, let me tell you how good God is. I'm just losing this message all over the place. I just... The potential. The, the, look, look, if you will. The Bible says he'll make all grace abound. You know, in the Bible, grace means more than just grace. Grace in the Bible also means beauty instead of ugliness. Give me more beauty, God. Your beauty. In the Bible, grace means strength instead of weakness. Anybody can use a little more strength? Say amen. In the Bible, grace means health instead of sickness. Oh, God, would you heal Earlene Bates this morning? Give her some grace because she's over at Piedmont Fayette. Would you touch Jean Laird at Piedmont Fayette? Would you touch Teresa Glass at Piedmont? Give her a little grace this morning, God. Would you touch Sarah this morning? And I got people in my mind. I'm saying, in the Bible, grace means love instead of hate. And I'm here to tell you that when you give to God what is rightfully His... You won't just get money back. The Bible says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I want that kind of grace in my life. If you get mad at any Christian who's prospering, don't. Ooh, my, my, my. Because it's all God. Because when you put Him first, He takes care of you. Let me show you something else about this Jehovah Jireh. The proportion of this promise. If you read verses 8 and 9, but particularly verse 8, you find two words. 
The words abound and abundance. Jehovah Jireh will cause us to abound in abundance. I, 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 I went on the web and pulled up that dictionary. And it says abundant means to overflow. Can I get a witness? Abundant means to excel, to exceed, have plenty, or have more than enough of. I tell you, our, our God's more than enough. A God is more than enough. Mm, the proportion of his blessing. You see, too often given to God portrays a situation where if you give to God, you just kind of squeak by in life. Uh, the devil will have us believe that if we generously give to God, then he gives us just enough to keep us alive and make us miserable. Oh, God, help me today. I, I know some Christians who got just enough Christianity to make them miserable. <laughs> and to make the rest of us miserable. Gloom, despair. I told you I wasn't called to sing, but I will when I'm anointed. You ever you been around people? Agony on me. Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> Gloom, despair, agony on me. Listen, <laughs> don't come near me with that, them kind of songs, okay? I get trouble for free. God don't just bless us so we can squeak by by the skin of our teeth. A good measure. Press. You ask Abraham if God let you squeak by. He obeyed God, didn't have to offer his son. He died a wealthy man because he understood Jehovah Jireh. You ask King David if God will let you just get by because you obey. He had more than he can count. You ask King Solomon if God will just let you get by when you obey. He had more than he could count. Somebody help me say amen. I, I, I'm telling you this morning the proportion of God's ability to get, ask Joseph, even though he was falsely accused of attempted rape, even though he was thrown in jail, even though he was swallowed sold by his brother and away from his family for 17 years, God gave him the interpretation of dreams and visions. He interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. Pharaoh made him prime minister of Egypt. And when a famine took place in seven years in Egypt, God caused him not only to bless his Egypt, but to bless his wayward brothers and to live to be a rich old man. God will not just speak you by. He will bless your good measure. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. Uh, whoa, wow. My father, who is 82 years old this Thursday, was a pastor in the island of Trinidad. And on his way one day, I was probably, I'm probably about six or seven years old, from where he pastored in Montrose, Sogonas, Trinidad, to Point Appear, Trinidad. To give his tithe to the overseer as pastors were to do. Members and attenders were to tithe to the church. The pastors were to tithe to the territorial office. 
And we were a family of four children. And things were meager at times. I didn't know it. Because they never, mom and dad never complained. They trusted God. My dad was in need of some grocery items. We were the family. We need some grocery items. On that particular day that he was headed from Chaguanas, Trinidad to Port of Spain. Pardon me, Point of Pier, which would be about a 30-minute drive or even longer back then. And on the way there, the devil said to him, You take that tithe money and you buy your family some milk, some bread, some cheese, some butter, some flour. And God don't mind that because after all, you, you, his servant. My dad just kept on driving because you know the devil when he talks. If you've been anywhere close to God, it ain't just about you, you, you. He just drove up to the territorial office in Point of Pierre, Trinidad. He gave his tithe to his bishop, this overseer. Thank God for the privilege to do it. Headed back home. He happened to have a little change in his pocket, maybe, maybe less than two dollars. Still needed some items. He stopped by a store, which upstairs the people lived, and downstairs they had a store, a family little kind of convenience store. And he, and he got a little basket, and he was going to get a few things. And by the, time, by the time he got in there, there's a fella who was drunk. They had the entrance of the store. He had had quite a few. And you go ahead and laugh, because God delivered you from quite a few, and we, we ain't talking about yeah, yeah. And, and he said, he said to uh, my dad, this drunk guy, he said, are you Reverend Sam Matura? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Pastor Matura. Don't you preach on the radio every Saturday night? There was only one radio station in the whole island then. Yeah, yeah Pastor, I hear you on the radio. You know, you know, drunk people, they get a little more bolder than when they drink than when they, you know. They get a little more preachy, a little more loud. Go ahead and laugh and say amen because, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, don't you, uh, you got that church down in Montrose, Shogunas, you got a preacher preaching all the time. And you know, sometimes you get around them people and they just embarrass you, they're loud and they're kind of cocky and they're, Pastor, or too raw. You going to get you some groceries today? Yeah, I'm picking up, a, he won't just get out of that atmosphere. Got a little, ba- I'm going to get a few things for the family. Okay, see ya. Oh, Pastor Matura, my the drunk guy says to the clerk of the store, the owner, you give Pastor Matura everything he wants for groceries today. And my dad's thinking, yeah, you ain't probably got five cents. You're drinking all of it away. You're going to bless everybody. You, you, ain't, you ever had drunk people like that? They're going to they gonna pay everybody's note. They're going to pay off their debt. They're going to send everybody to college. And they're going to buy them all Mercedes. They ain't even got five cents for their name. Yeah. My dad said, bless you, bless you. And he just went on. Directly, my dad went on and the guy stood up there. He just kind of, oh. The clerk at the store came to my dad and said, Reverend Matura, I know he's drunk. But he, he, he hangs out here when he's sober too. Reverend Matura, he got money. You get everything you want, Reverend. Uh, say, Reverend, exchange that basket for a buggy. I'm talking about provision. My dad 
bought everything he wanted, and that old drunk skunk came up to the register, took out his cash, paid everything for it. Dad went home and, 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 and somebody said, I can't believe your dad take that kind of money. And I'll tell you why. The devil had it so long, it's time that God got some of it to bless his work. I want to tell you, you can trust God. All grace, always, for all sufficiency, in all things. God will supply our needs. Stand up to your feet, lay your Bibles down, and give the Lord some thank you because he is Jehovah Jireh. Come on, put your hands together. Give the Lord some thank you. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. Mm. Let me help us, Jesus. You know, I I don't understand all of it in the Bible. Are you still with me, everybody? So please indulge me. It's my anniversary, so, so tolerate me, would you? Pastor, how could... I give God 10%, which is the tithe. Keep 90%, and He can make the 90% go further than if I had the 100%. Here's all what the Bible says. God supplied seed to the sower. Can, can I get an amen? The Bible says about how God does things is that He will supply seed to the sower, bread for food, supply and multiply. Can I get an Amen. God's not in the addition business. He's in the multiplication business. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he took five loaves, two fishes, and in the natural, that's supposed to be seven, seven items of food, right? But in the natural, he fed, there were seven items of food. Five plus two is seven. But he did a multiplication equation, took five and seven, and ended up with 5,000 people being fed and 12 baskets left over. I don't know how you could take one kernel of corn and put it in the soil and nurture it and care for it and then you have a whole stalk of corn with a lot of kernels and over 400 uh, kernels on every corn cob I, I don't know how that happens but I know somehow in the miraculous Jehovah Jireh of God he takes what is planted he nourishes, blesses it, multiplies it the same is true for your healing your marriage, your children, your mind you don't have to go around with your mind trouble and your marriage trouble and, and your joy lost and you're always sad Jehovah Jireh is your provider bow your heads please bow your heads please Pastor Matura, I need him to be my Jehovah Jireh, but I understand this can't be a one-way street. Pastor, I understand that I can't pick and choose what I want to obey and expect God to fully cover me. If I expect full coverage from the Holy Ghost in my mind, in my marriage, in my family, in my money, in my job, in my education for protection, if I expect that when I ask him to meet my needs, that he will then I understand He expects for me to be obedient. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you say, Pastor, I don't want to operate towards God out of law. Because you tell me I have to or somebody else says I have to. I do not want to operate out of law. I want to operate out of heart. I want to have a bigger and better heart towards God who's done so much for me. I'm not here to make anybody a spectacle or to embarrass you. But this is a moment of searching. Everybody, searching. In the name of Jesus. It's not just about money. But this has been about stewardship. 
It is about a heart of repentance. It's about a heart of forgiveness. It's about a heart of love. Change my heart, oh God. That would be me, Pastor. I'd raise my hands because I want you to remember me in prayer this week and this morning. Hold it up in faith. Come on, hold it up in faith. And I, just, nobody else is looking at me, just me. Keep it up for just a moment. And you already know that I cannot remember all of you, but I can remember the hands and where they were and how, perhaps, approximation of how many you may put them down. If he's ever been good to you, lift up both hands. Lift up both hands and thank Him. Brother Sammy, bring your team to the altar. Everybody, lift up your hands if you're able. And I don't want to make you do it, so please, out of, of a love, thank Him. Could, could you think of two things to thank Him for? I know you could think of 20. Go ahead. Come on, let, let your testimony. Don't, I'm not here about your grandma's testimony and your husband's or your wife's. I'm, I'm not here about your mama's testimony. Thank God for them, but you got your own. He has been Jehovah Jireh to you. Come on, come on, let the saints praise him. Sing, my brother. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him.